Hello everybody, it is Rebecca Vexler here, the founder of Soul Cups, and we are up to episode 8 of our Sustainable Speaker Series for Plastic Free July. I am so, so excited because today I am speaking to Paul, the founder of Sustainable Salons in Australia and New Zealand. This company, this organization is the epitome of doing what they say. This is so beyond inspiring. This is such an incredible group, an incredible foundation, an incredible organization when it comes to sustainable solutions and actually functionally and practically creating solutions for recycling and single waste products in the beauty and hair industry and hopefully setting the standard of what we should be doing in all industries, in all businesses. So Paul, I mean, I'm so grateful that I've known you and I've known Sustainable Salons for such a long time. We've worked together with Soul Cups um, on panel talks. We've done interviews together. We've done it all together. I know you can talk. I know you can speak. So I'm so excited for this conversation because we're going to deep dive into really talking about the real stuff and hopefully inspiring and educating a lot of people about how important it is to have practical solutions. So um, let's get Paul on. Let's invite Sustainable Salons into the chat. Hopefully they show up in a moment. <laughs> um, otherwise, you're just going to hear me go on about them. So I'm going to say and hopefully they pop on any moment. If you're not sure what Sustainable Salons is, ah, oh, there we go. Hi. Hello. Sorry, I was struggling a bit there. I wasn't a bit too late. No, you are so perfectly on time. I was literally about to do a spiel of what you guys do, but you popped on. So I'm going to let you do the talking. Um, I did a little bit of an intro of how much I love you and how much I love Sustainable Salons. So... I, I want you to talk us through before we say hello even, what do you do and share your incredible, incredible company and organization with us? Well, firstly, thank you so much, Rebecca, for having us. <laughs> so good to see you again in this uh, weird climate and uh, Soul Cups, we are a huge fan and uh, we've been supporting each other for many, many years now, which is just awesome. Um, no, but, uh, you're watching yeah. me grow old. <laughs> I know, I hope I'm losing my volume. So I think I'm losing hair as well. Don't worry. <laughs> the years are at great speed. But uh, oh, look, let me give you um, a, a high level overview of sustainable salons for everyone listening in. So um, to understand what actually we do here, because everyone's like, oh, you're a recycler. And I say, actually, that's just one part of what we do. We actually do multiple things. So in a nutshell, sustainable salons is a comprehensive resource recovery service we're designed specifically for the salon environment. Uh, we reward our clients for being part of the program. We, we reward them with soul cups. And, uh, and, <laughs> and we collect uh, from, from salon environments, such as their foil or even chemical waste. We then uh, we either recycle it uh, or we then donate proceeds off to charity or we connect it back into local communities, which I can explain. So uh, really in a nutshell, we provide this really unique recycling service, which has about anything up to about six bins that could go inside a salon. So we have things like, depending if you're a hair, beauty, dermal clinic, 
dog groomer or barbershop. They're the five industries that we service. They all have slightly different bin sets, but um, let's just talk generally on a hair salon. They get like a hair bin, a metal bin, a chemical bucket, a plastic bin, a razor tin, um, pretty much everything in the salon we can take. There's only things that we don't take are organics. So we provide them with another really cool company like yourselves called um, uh, Bukashi, and then they can do all their uh, in-house composting, which we encourage. Oh, just love it. We love doing it at home. And, uh, and this is really good. So that really nails the recycling for the salon. But then how do we connect this back into local communities? Well, I'll just give you some examples, um, like the foils, for example, when they come off your hair, or the colour tubes, or the magazines you read. We can sell that. That's a commodity waste product. And then we donate 100% of the proceeds to Oz Harvest or Kiwi Harvest in New Zealand. Um, so we've provided over 160,000 meals through that program, which is really good. Um, but then we do other really cool things like ponytails. We're the, we're the Southern Hemisphere's largest collector of ponytails to the medical wig market. So all of these- I remember this. Oh. Yeah, I, re <laughs> I remember this aspect. It's amazing, yeah. Well, we, we're educating hairdressers, first of all. And, and how fun is this? As a hairdresser myself for like 25 years, I never sent in one ponytail. I didn't know that there was an issue. And uh, since we sustainable salons, we realized there's a big shortage on hair. So we, it's, it's like a black market out there. I don't know if you know much about it, like in India and, 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 and Russia. They yeah, yeah. You know, on the black market and sell it to the Western world for hair extensions or wigs or you name it. So hair's a big commodity. Um, and to put it into perspective, how big? In America alone, $9 billion a year. Wow. Why wow. is the whole Australian hairdressing market is just to basically put hair on, on, on uh, make wigs. So... I mean, let, let's talk about this industry for a moment because mm -hmm. we're going to break down what you guys do in detail. Like, I want to go into detail about it, but let's actually talk about this industry. And it's, I feel as though it's forgotten and overlooked in the world of sustainability. Everyone points the finger at take great coffee shops and cafes and all the sort of single use plastics and things like that in your simple everyday life. But the reality is we all wash our hair. We all yep. go to the salon when we can, when we're not in lockdown. Um, you know, we all use products, we, whether it's a leave-in conditioner or blow dry, you know, whatever it is, right? We all do it. So it's in your everyday life. This is an industry that is, I think, causing so much harm and we're not talking about it. And what you guys do is create a realistic, holistic solution. Like it's actually achievable. And I mean, what I want to do one day is be able to bring sustainable salons into the home. Like everyone <laughs> should have a purple bin, everyone. <laughs> you know, can, can you talk uh us through... <laughs> talk us through the logistics of that bin like explain to people who maybe don't know what you actually are talking about what is this yeah. bin where does it come from and what 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 the actual process is oh and that's a really really good question and uh, uh, we are a physical service not a product I, t I try to remind people all the time it's like send me your bins and it's like no it's actually we've got to collect that material too Otherwise, we're no different than the yellow bin service, right? Where exactly. you have all the separation bins you like, but if you just put it in the yellow bin, what's the point? 
right? So what we provide is a very unique a separation service inside the salon environment. Then it goes into our special uh, bin out the back, which is our purple bins. Uh, we, we make everything look very sexy at sustainable salons like you guys, right? It is, if you guys it is very sexy. <laughs> and, uh, and basically uh, we have a fleet of drivers right across Australia and New Zealand that collect door to door from our salons. Uh, so they collect it and then they bring it back to one of our depots. So we have four depots in Australia and two in New Zealand. So we centralize the material and then that's where the, the depots and the sorting process begins with um, most of these materials. So there still has to be some sorting that happens because of course, humans are humans. And we've got to make sure that we, uh, you know, you've got to get the metal out of the paper bins. You've got to get, you know, the hair bins that are always got like chip packets or whatever from barbershops or yeah. even beer bottles end up in some of these bins. So we're constantly educating our community. But to be honest, they are remarkable. Our education process is really what it's all about. Once you educate someone, they tend to do the right thing. Absolutely. I mean, that is always the answer. It's awareness, education, curiosity. That's how we get to where we are. And yeah. let's let's point out the reality of let's talk about Australia and New Zealand, like with recycling in this country in Australia, it's not black and white. Like even if you do the right thing and you're impeccably educated and you know exactly how to recycle properly, it doesn't mean it's going to get, get there. It's not going to get the end result that we want, which is why your service is so spectacularly unique <laughs> and different because you're actually doing what you say. That's, this is what I want to highlight with you guys. You don't just talk, you actually do something so revolutionary and I want everyone to know about it because you need to be setting the standard and the example for industries everywhere. This is, this is key. Oh, really? Thank you so much. And, and the trick we always say is be transparent. You know, if yeah. you're going to do it and, 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 and there is a danger of course of being too transparent because then everyone tries to copy you and it's never fun when you're trying to grow an organization. But the same reality is if we don't be transparent, then, then we're really not doing our service to our consumer and, and our salons that we are talking to. So we'd really like to promote actually who we work with, who are our partners, where do things end up? Because that then gives the confidence uh, where I see the lack of confidence in a yellow bin, because it's like, didn't the same waste guy just pick up my yellow bin? And, and you're like, that's the last thing you want to happen. We want real clear transparency. And I think when you do that well and show people and even allow people to come and see it, it blows their mind. They're like, really? And I think the kind of things that we don't talk about a huge amount, which we will talk a lot more about is we actually employ a lot of people in the disability sector inside our depots strategically uh, to provide and work uh, that's secure that's long lasting, that doesn't come with uh, anything like contracts where basically I do a job for three months and I don't have a job for three months. We give ongoing security. And that's a really key thing as well in, the, in, in that process. So we really care about making sure local jobs are staying in each of the states that we work in. So when we recycle in Queensland, we keep it in Queensland. When we recycle in Christchurch, it stays in Christchurch. And then the jobs stay in Christchurch, the money stays in Christchurch. And sustainability is about all three things, people, planet, and profit. And you've got to pull them. Don't just, I always say to people, don't just pick one and say, oh, my business is doing so well, I'm so sustainable. I'm like, I don't think, you've got the profit one, but you maybe forgot <laughs> <that>. <laughs> And then the same thing goes 
great, great, uh, people, people who are quite on the green side, they're like, I recycle. I'm like, yeah, but what about the people? And what about the profits? Like, are we actually generating business out of this? Or is this just, we just going to help just the green aspect, but not care about the jobs, the local jobs, or, you know, the industry that needs to be created around that? That's exactly right. Like, I remember um, this conversation so distinctly. I don't know how many years ago it was now. It was while I was, I was on the Chamber of Commerce still, and I, we were on a panel talk together, and I remember the three Ps, and it... <laughs> It was so beautiful. It was such a wonderful, well-rounded way of expressing everything that's like, you know, that I'm feeling and thinking. And I think the, the secret here is your holistic view, your ability to not just have tunnel vision, but to understand economics, you know, the psychology of human behavior, of business, of what sustainable, sustainability is in the, you know, the proper worldly way and yeah. i mean let's talk about it let's talk about you know how did you get to where you are what what inspired you to even start sustainable salons and you know talk us through the results like talk us through the the joy of it all and and where you're at now and and you know what it looks like and what you've achieved well, i hope i don't make you laugh too much but um the the good the, <laughs> the the, the very, this all started back in Amsterdam where I met my partner. I was working there for nearly eight years. I, I, I went to Amsterdam for two weeks and I stayed eight years. Um, uh, Amsterdam can do that to, to anybody. Uh, about three years ago, I met my partner, Evelina, and she was in fashion sustainability. And, and she really has opened my mind to the whole world of what was happening in the fashion industry, where, where, where cotton was coming from and what was happening in the what I call the supply chain issue of the, of the fashion industry. So anyway, long story there. And that was a, that really woke me up. And then I still remember going back into the hair salon going, well, where does the hair go? And where does the foil go? And, and here I am just cutting hundreds of sheets of foil to foil a lady's head. And I'm thinking, and, and then my client sitting in the chair, I still remember he, he owned a big aluminium business. And I said, can you recycle this? And he's like, yeah. He's like, it's aluminium. What's the difference between that and a Coke can? And I th remember thinking, Wow, interesting. And, and then I remember holding lots of hair, you know, sweeping it up from the floor. And <laughs> I literally took it home. I was living with uh, four roommates and I started thinking, what can I do with this? I literally started packing it in the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I swear of a lie. And you were that I, weird roommate that they were getting a little like, you know, you spent a bit too much time in Amsterdam, having a little bit too much fun, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The worst part is I forgot to put the liner. So they were all getting itchy back. Everyone was sitting on the couch going, oh, my back, What's, why is my back so itchy? And I forgot to put the liner. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I forgot to tell you I have a bit of a fetish. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> keeping it for later. <laughs> it's fine. It's, uh, look, this is actually how it all began. So without going too uh, down the weird part there is I started to... <laughs> purposes not maybe not for furniture but um when we came back to australia evelina and i took a we for the first time in my working career took took time off and we drove around australia in a hippie van and uh you know we we just spent time actually really discussing well it wasn't so much we wanted to write a business plan we wanted to write a fantasy business plan something that we're like let's just go far out into a world of what we want to wake up to every day and then we'll work our way back. And that's what we did. So 
we wrote the business plan. We couldn't afford to do it. We're like, well, that's not going to happen. We've got no money. You know, I was literally broke. And, uh, and uh, that one thing. <laughs> so we thought the one thing we can do to kickstart this. And we saw aluminium being the biggest waste problem and also the easiest one to fix. So we thought, why don't we be the first ever foil brand called Refoil today that actually is solving the, the aluminium problem in the hairdressing industry. So we started with one product, one roll of foil, and it was made from recycled aluminium. We teach people how to recycle it. Um, we spent four years waking up an industry to sustainability. And then we finally had enough revenue to launch the first depot in Sydney. And, uh, and then Sustainable Salons really six years later has grown into, yeah, uh, the juggernaut it is today with over 60 plus staff. And yeah, it's great. It's unbelievable. It, it's, it's so beautiful. I love the story. I personally remember you telling this story. And I think it's so important to share it because number one, it inspires everyone. Like, you know, you want to start in that big, dreamy, beautiful, magical space where you go, if I could do anything and never fail, what, what would it look like? And then just work towards it because look at where you are, like how impeccably wonderful it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to my story in the sense of, you know, I, I had this big vision I was like, I, I thought I was going to be in a wheelchair. I was sick. I didn't know what was going to happen to my life. And, you know, I dreamt this big image. And six years later as well, it's like we're actually doing it and, and we're in it. And, and it's so incredible and inspiring. But um, talk, talk, me through, talk me through where you're at now, what you've achieved from a sustainable yeah. sort of statistics point of view, because that is mind-blowing. This needs to be heard. And also your community and education and sort of how it all rolls out now and what it looks like? Well, um, uh, I'll hit a few of the high notes. I guess we're, we're servicing now over 1,200 locations, which is pretty cool. Um, we speak to around about 5,000 hairdressers and we communicate to 3.4 million consumers now uh, through our network. So we've really found a way to track through who is our customer, right? We've got not only the salon owner, we've got the staff and we've got the consumer who comes in. Um, really, from there, we've, we've developed a, a beautiful education model that's now online. We've got our own app. Um, we're, we're educating people uh, through multiple different platforms. Um, we've realized even as time moved on now is how we even communicate now is actually through text, through Facebook Messenger, through... You've got to get into all these platforms. So our team has adapted a lot over this time because we have to really keep up now with this type of new type of uh, 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 technology that's coming into play. Right. Some yeah. of the amazing highlights, I guess you could say, with what we've achieved is um, hair research and development. Uh, that's just not the ponytail hair, that's the short hair. We now work with three different universities in hair. We've actually developed, uh, we've got three papers published now. So we're the first ever organization in the world to actually discover hair as an untapped resource and actually not what, what can we now do with it? And actually, how do we make it a commodity of the future? Like, like I tell someone, if you look at a sheep 150 years ago, you would have seen uh, lamb, meat, let's say. Uh, but today we have Ugg boots, far more valuable than the meat. <laughs> so right. the, the most valuable part. And I said, it's the same thing that's going to probably happen with human hair because it's organic. It has so many amazing properties. And just to give you some highlights, we've now developed a product called a hair boom, which we actually sell both to government and, and uh, private sector, which helps soak up oil spills. Um, we've also now got another That's few papers. 
I want you to talk about that one a little bit more. The <laughs> is remarkable now. We've, we've developed a whole framework around it. So it doesn't creep people out now. Yes, it's hair, but I'm like, there's no different than, you know, wool and you love putting your own boots on. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm wearing some right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, and to be honest, once you, once you break out the perception of hair, you know what I always say to someone? You love hair when it's on your head. But when it comes off, you're like, <laughs> like, it's all I just I think of like, I have incredibly long hair, right? You can imagine that this bad boy, like molts, like I'm like a dog. So I, I, I think of my poor partner, who you know, like walks out of the bathroom and is like, what the hell is all this hair on the floor? I'm like, baby, <laughs> like, it looks nice here, right? Like, it's fine. Got some ponytails there that we might need to get one day. <laughs> there you go. I'll volunteer. <laughs> but one of the really cool ones you might not know about, um, SBS just did a story on it where we're actually got, um, we're turning hair into carbon dots, which is now actually uh, can be used in uh, a few really specific areas where um, OLED displays of the future, so technology, so a flexible display, uh, we can actually use the hair as a part of the conductor, uh, which is wow. not raw form anymore, it's broken down into um, basically uh, like powder form. Uh, but yeah, this is really exciting. And that same technology now goes into solar panels and very soon into batteries. So it's gonna show that one day hair will literally play a key role, probably in our technology of the future, uh, because we're gonna run, the world's gonna run out of very key resources. So you're actually gonna find out that what is these other resources that can fill that gap? And human hair, just for example, about half a million kilos of hair will get cut off each year and just get dumped. And you're like, well, why not use it? Why not let's find a way to actually get it back in? And to be honest, it's a remarkable resource. Um, one of the most brilliant discoveries we found was actually when you, when you really know how to work with hair within also soil, it can play a key role in fertilizer because it can also, it holds a huge amount of carbon, nutrient, amino acids, protein, and all the yummy things soil loves. So, but, but even like, think about the weight and the strength of hair, like how impeccable that material is from like a building perspective and a, you know, clothing and the, the sort of industry as well. Like even my hair, like it's incredibly thick. Like I can like hold a weight on it, you know, like it's super strong if it's healthy. And I think, I think that you're so tapping into something so extraordinary. So I want to, I'm so curious about this journey, which is why I want you to talk about also uh, the oil, the stoking up aspects. When you first spoke about that so many years ago, when, when we did that panel, I mean, I literally was speechless. <laughs> oh, it, it's a head, I, like it, it's one of those ones you can take back to the home and be like, do you know what I heard about hair? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, it is kind of bizarre. And to be honest, it's, look, for me, it's now become so normal, but I, I get it when I, I love talking to people and, they, and and they're like, yeah, because they have stories they want to tell us. Like, I'll give you some examples. We get loads of stories coming in where people who had rose farms and orchard farms would actually sprinkle hair all around their roses or orchards to actually keep the animals away. So lots of Italians and Greeks, and I grew up on a rose farm and so this is it's funny uh, you know years later this is like wow yeah hair did play a role because it keeps the animals away from uh, it smells humans and they stay away and and it's all these bizarre little things but 
probably the most emotional is when you're collecting the hair, the long hair, the ponytails for medical wigs, the stories we get. So we get about a thousand now a month coming through our depot wow. and they come beautiful stories where little girls will be cutting their hair off because they heard of their friend's mum at school going through cancer, alopecia, oh. and they do their bit and, and cut their hair off and raised, you know, $5,000, $10,000 for, for that. You just want to cry. It's just like, it's so beautiful to see how much hair means to people. And, and that's something, just how much hair matters when you don't have it how much you really need that wig. And what we've heard from so many young, young girls, mainly, of course, in this space, is that they won't go outside until they have their wig. So when they've got going through alopecia, let's say, you could wait three months to get the right hair type to make your wig. Because yeah, it's not like... Yeah. yeah. It's a lack of resource. So we've really filled that gap now where there's no lack of that resource. Kids can now pick and choose hair much quicker. And we're really bringing down the cost of hair. So it, we don't want hair to cost because before us and still is, is, you know, a week for, for, for a wig, it can cost up to $5,000 just for the hair. Yeah, crazy. It's so expensive. And I, I think how beautiful that there are so many layers to this story. You know, it's, it is about sustainability and it is about, you know, creating these unbelievable solutions, but it's also such an emotional aspect. Like, I think you need to change your name to like, sustainable salon solutions like it's just there's just so much in it and it makes me it brings me so much joy this is why I love talking to you and I love working with you because I know that every single sort of connection every interaction it's it's so much impact and so much positivity um Thanks. yeah I can't even I can't even begin to explain it like it's it's so beautiful but um your Our community is so we got sorry, really what you said I was going to say our plastics. I've got lots of cool stuff to tell you in our plastic recycling soon. So uh, we've got like, <laughs> which one do you want? Because all of our waste materials come with all these amazing stories. So we're like, we've got to be careful which one we pick. You're like, do you want the chemicals? Because chemicals, can I just touch on this one for just a second? Because I'm sure we've got lots, lots of girls listening in and it's more for girls than guys. This one is, is no one realizes the chemicals going on to color your hair, just how, um, Look, they're very hardcore chemicals. Hydrogen peroxide is no lightweight chemical and no. and so important just how we, it's great to color hair because no, no one should go with gray hairs for the rest of their lives. I totally get that. <laughs> and we need to make sure that, okay, if that's going to go on people's head. Can we collect it out? And can we actually recycle those chemicals and wow. turn it back? And, and it's all possible. So it's really about educating consumers. Like we don't want to stop vanity i think that's a beautiful thing uh, I, I, it's how do we actually build around that the, the right mechanism so it doesn't harm the environment or the community and like you said education that's the answer it's how do we and the one thing like i swear to god you can watch every single interview i have done in july the one thing i keep repeating is us as business owners us as producers of a service of a product we are a platform and we must use it to educate. Like that is why I'm doing these interviews. That is why I collaborate and connect to incredible humans like you, because it is our responsibility and in our power with the platform that we have to be a platform for education, for inspiration, to showcase all of this, because the more consumers know, the more conscious the decisions they make. 
And if we have conscious consumers, we have decisions and purchases and experiences that are more likely to be ethical, sustainable, and positive. Because when people are thinking in the present moment and consciously aware, we tend to make better decisions. <laughs> and that's what we need. That's the real answer, I think. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, some of the big phrases I'm using at the moment in, in, in my talks is that um, globalism, not, uh, sorry, localism, not globalism at the moment. Yeah. Uh, a very key thing. It doesn't mean we have, don't have to support our global brand. It's just how do we bring it to a local level uh, so we can understand the messages better and understand, because that's really what consumer is desiring. And, 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 and vote with your dollar. Every time you step yeah. out in your, your dollar is a vote. So I always say, every time you walk past that butcher or that bread place and you see these people working hard, putting in their effort, I'm always, I'm always conscious of letting my barista know wherever I go, like what matters to me, that you better accept my cup, otherwise I don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I, number one, uh, you, you, you couldn't get past Evelina and I, uh, but basically reminding people what matters to us, because I like you as a person, but this matters and this matters to our community and I'll keep, I'll keep buying from and reminding people of that because when you hear that as an owner you do change you're like yeah I, you know it's funny i said to someone the other day they said oh you get all just like naturally green people joining you i said no i said i get lots of liberal boss owners joining me uh, more than ever and i get more people in penrith than i do in newtown signing up to our program you know you'd be surprised that the conscious consumer the person that cares today is everywhere because they're That's not right That's cares about their kids and how they're growing up. They want to make sure that everything's going to be okay within their local community. And uh, honestly, that is now everywhere. So if you're a brand today trying to build or grow and, and, and remember, it's not just about the, the green aspect, which is super important, but the other aspect of making sure that it is connected to its community. And that's where the real gem is for business. So perfectly spot on. Like, I do a lot of um, business coaching as, aside from soul and like the number one lesson I always provide is start with who you know, in the sense of you have a community already. You as an individual have a wonderful community that involves the coffee shops, the local stores, the butcher, the hairdressers, like everyone, you know, you step outside, you go to the stores. It's quite common that people will recognize you. You have, a relationship with your direct community. That yeah. is where you make impact. That is where us as individuals can immediately make impact. It's your barista, you having a conversation with him or her and saying, hey, May, <laughs> you need to find a solution if you're not accepting reusables. Otherwise, all 50 of us in this block are not coming back. <laughs> you know, and or, or going to your salon and saying, guys, you should really be working with sustainable salons. Like, you know, get with the times. And it's having those conversations with your direct community where we make impact straight away. Yeah. Forget about global level, but it's if every single person does that in their small hub, wow. Like think of the immediate impact on a, on a large scale already. We even get boss owners calling us now saying, I have to join you. Otherwise I'm going to lose my staff. Yep. And I'm like, wow. And I had another yep. staff owner call me says, my 15 staff put a petition to me and I was like, whoa. And they said that we're no, we, we love you. It's not you, but you're just not ticking our values anymore. And I think for what I call the pre eighties 
generation there that, yeah, I get it. You just didn't grow up with this, but connecting with who you're, you know, who the young kids are that are coming to work for you or being part of your environment now is, is super important, whether they're your kids, because I get mums saying this all the time, saying, look, to me, this never matters. I'm not on the same level as my kids now when they come out of school. They're talking about recycling and sustainability. And here I am saying, oh, just dump it. Who cares? And, and I'm like, what am I saying? Like my kids might be crazy nut for just not caring about a blue sky and a beautiful beach and like we just take it for granted. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You got to stop thinking just because, yeah, we live in, you know, you're in Bond, I'm in Maroubra, right? We're, we get to see this beautiful blue sky every day, but deep down there's, there's big issues that need to be solved. There is, uh, we did a beach cleanup recently just to take our team out. And what, from, from the first glance, you just see beautiful beach. You start with a bag and walk down and pick up things. You're like, yep. you fill a bag of cigarette butts and plastic bits all day long. And you're like, we're just such wasteful people. And, and it's just, it really reminds just how important it is what we need to do. And as a surfer, when you surf, all you see in the water is plastic bags, drip, uh, it's so disgusting. And you're like, okay, come on. Like, this is just in my own environment, let alone some of the harshest places on the planet where we're seeing pollution on massive scales. But exactly. we all need to do our bit. Well, it's the, the problem with that generation or with people that aren't talking about it or considering it is that it doesn't impact them directly. That's the psychology. That's the issue. It's they're not going and doing a beach cleanup. They're mm. not experiencing the in-your-face, it impacts my life, it impacted my day thing. Like, that's what needs to change. It's the how do we communicate it to these people, these people that don't necessarily care that much because they didn't grow up with, you know, it in their face. How do we as brands, how do we as organizations communicate <laughs> in a way that they can listen and understand? And that's our challenge, right? That's, that's our everyday challenge. The, 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 the one thing I say here is just make a great business argument. So yeah. <laughs> what we Alon's is simply that it's, you might not care about, you, you might not yet care about the recycling yet or the, the community aspect, but I bet you, you care about the business. So That's right. uh, we, we've, we've now become, I don't know if you know, the number one directory service now for consumers in the hairdressing and beauty industry. We get about 10,000 a month now to go through our directory each wow. month with about nearly 1500 book now clicks. So just by signing up to us now, we say, look, you've probably got about 25 to $30,000 of business coming to you each year. Is that right. you it's like the, the business argument has already turned. I'm just now giving you the chance to catch up and plug exactly. in. Exactly. And now you know? it's just, if you, if you don't do it, you're, you're missing out, you're losing money. It, people will vote with their dollar. That's exactly the point. And that's, that's what ne they need to understand. It's, um, it's, it's impeccable. It's impeccable. Yeah. You have to shake them and say, why are you not even like, I had a guy coffee experience. He was disgusted that I brought my key. We have a, I have a soul cup. My partner and I both have soul cups and he was disgusted. He's like, just don't will ya? And I said, excuse me. Like I am saving money. Like you don't have to <sighs> buy up. Like just on that argument alone, like, I don't get it. You're, you're either anti-money or you're just playing dumb. Like this. It, it's a, I mean, you, I, you know, I can have that conversation forever. You can imagine the stuff I've heard and the conversations I've had. I mean, 
I, I'm really fortunate because to talk about community, I'm in a community currently that is super respectful and excited about, you know, BYO Cup. Like they're really into it where we've created incredible community solutions where all the cafes will do a free pour. So you literally just like pop the cup on the counter, the barista will pour it in, nobody touches anything, like happy feels. Um, but it's, 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 it's so strange and baffling when they, when they talk like that, where they react like, you know, like how dare you bring your wonderful, reusable cup to this place? Like how dare you do something good for the planet? You know, it's, it's baffling, but it requires a conversation. It requires community and it requires voting with your dollar. Absolutely. That's it. That's the best we can do. And, and honestly, um, you, you can't save them all, I say. And, uh, and the same thing happens in every industry, whether it's coffee or hairdressing or beauty or even dog grooming, is that uh, those who are the most progressive tend to win uh, the long run. And, and, and being progressive, being open-minded, and really, it doesn't always, like I said, have to be so strict on, on the environmental. It usually has to have a good business argument. I get that. I'm a liberal green. I tell everyone. I say, think like Elon Musk. You know, you know, always have to come across as someone who's just like, you know, hugging a tree. You can actually be a great business person that's saving the world as well. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think uh, learning that whole experience of, especially the young generation now when they, I love now, we work a lot with um, UNSW and, uh, and, and with the students there. And we do lots of projects in plastic recycling and, and other sectors. And it's to hear the way they're speaking now in about customer journey, human-centric design, and all of this, I just love it. I can't get enough of it because what they're doing now is that next generation is going past you thinking what you think a great product is, going to the core of the actual custom, your future customer, and working back from there and saying, what is it actually that matters to you? And when you start getting all that out, the, the, the product starts building itself. And it's like, I get it. It's so obvious what I have to create. And usually those things are here to save the planet, care for the community, make the money. It's all sustainability. So you're like, it's actually great to see how it's been educated today. Because if you can get your, if you can get these students now fast tracked into the new world, we're only going to get there faster. We're going to get exactly. to our end. And, uh, and, and of course, for us, our end goal is, is to just make this, what we say is just make it, make sustainability reality. It should be yeah. no different than a utility bill. It should be That's no right. different than, than the way we look at water today coming. It just comes out of the tap. You don't ask questions. You just get it. And that's where we need it to be. And what I love about what you touched about the students is um, it's so vital to have that mindset from the beginning because I think the solution that needs to happen, if we're talking about the long game, is we need to stop producing crap First of all, we need to be thoughtful and mindful about how we manufacture and how we produce. And that is solely the responsible of the brand owner, the business owner, the founder, the person that is saying yes to things. It is mm -hmm. our responsibility as producers of goods to be making the right decisions from a manufacturing process and to be thinking holistically in how production works. And if we can make better choices from the beginning, as producers, then we have less of an issue to deal with later. There's less to recycle. <laughs> There's less to worry about because we're not producing crap. We, yeah. pr we need to focus on producing durable, lifelong, reusable materials that are not plastic. 
Like yeah. there are some needs for plastic, like we talk about medical, we talk about some industries that honestly we probably can't live without at the moment. But there's a new world of technology coming. There's a new world of materials coming. And we as producers need to be considerate of that. We can't be lazy. We have to stop copying each other and producing Me Too products from Alibaba and just, you know, flooding the world with it. We need to be thoughtful. And that starts with education. And that starts with the students. That's where it is. Couldn't agree more. Uh, oh, yeah. Ali say to someone, if, if, if another person say, oh, I want to start a brand, I say, are you just going to Alibaba and picking a product? I say, you really go to get to know your manufacturer and ask the questions. Like what That's we right. do, you need to understand the supply chain. Where's it coming from? Who am I working with? Who am I truly working with? And, and, yep. and it's, of course, in China uh, for a lot of people, because it's, it's just different culture. And, 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 and I kind of laugh over there. You know, sometimes I, st I, st I still remember one of the funniest things I dealt with when we were making our, um, our, because uh, I love China, I've got some great friends over there. And, and, and uh, I still remember saying, oh, I want to make foil from recycled aluminium. And they started laughing and they said, <laughs> Mr. Paul, why do you want the cheap stuff when, you, when you can, we can give you the new aluminium? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. You guys, they see that as an insult to start with recycle because they're right. coming, we're coming the other direction going, no, we actually only want now things that are better for the planet, blue sky, you know, and it's, uh, that's where the worlds clash. So if you don't get over there and get inside those questions with them, you never understand their culture and what they're going through and how is it, okay, this maybe doesn't work for us. And that's why, look, I tell a lot of people, you want to know why so many things are made overseas and, China. Well, the reality is, is because we've demanded cheap and junk and, and, and we can bring a lot of great things back to our country. And we're demonstrating this with plastic now. And people say, oh, but they don't want to, they, they just want to pay nothing for it. I, that argument is junk. People, anyone, when you want something, it's amazing how you find the money. That's right. Absolutely. I've seen some well, people, they have $1,000 laptops. I'm like, well, it's amazing how you probably found a way to talk to your mom or <laughs> hours you got to your product because that's a status symbol of who you are. That's right. That's right. I think the, the conversation you said just recently, you know, it's so important. It's know your manufacturer. You can't just go into Alibaba and go, okay, order 200 samples. Like you need to, obviously COVID has restricted us. It's a new world. It's completely different, but you know, I would spend so much time traveling and exploring and connecting and communicating with all of our producers. We have mm. such high quality control. I have a team dedicated to quality control, to certification, to ethics, to sustainability. Like it's at the forefront of my business process. Everything else is secondary. Everything mm. else comes as a, a as a result to achieving my high standard expectations of the relationships I have with my manufacturers. You know, certification yeah. is so vital. Like if, um, if anyone watching wants to learn a bit more about certification, I did an interview with ESG Marks based in the UK, but they're global and they focus on sustainable certification in factories as well as ethics. Um, right. That's a really good conversation because we go deep into what it all means, but that's what brands are missing. You yeah. know, it's one thing to be transparent and say, okay, well, this is the ingredients or this is what the packaging's made from, but is your factory ethical? Have you even 
Do you even know who works and is producing your products? Do you even know how many employees that factory has? Are they paid well? Is it clean? Is it sustainable in terms of the sourcing of the materials? Where do the materials they source even come from? Like, do you know anything? And that's transparency in my eyes. That's really understanding it. Um, and that's, that's where it comes from, that whole, you know, other side of product development that people are completely blind to as consumers. Yeah, look, and, this, and one of the, the, the hard thing for a lot of people, I think, is, is people don't want to go that hard. It just scares them. So I think what, what we're Too looking much. for, I know a lot about, is blockchain. Uh, blockchain will help solve this very soon for, for, for the world. Uh, I, I'm really a huge tech fan. So it's just like, look, uh, I won't go deep in that. That's a whole nother subject. And, you know, I'll end up in cryptocurrency somewhere. But <laughs> basically, there, there is a solution coming. And if, if anyone's listening and wants to learn more about blockchain, you, it will solve these issues. So uh, more, more logistics is going to be plugged into that space. And it already is uh, so getting more exciting. Yeah, it's impeccable. I think um, you, I mean, between the two of us, obviously we can talk forever. Um, there are so many topics and there's so many conversations that we can sort of mold through. And, and I think it's, it's such an exciting time because yes, there's a lot of negativity in the world of sustainability, but there's so much positivity and it's organizations like you, it's people like you that are so inspiring because again, you don't just talk you make shit happen, you have solutions in place and you're constantly evolving. And I just think it's wonderful. And I'm such a fan of yours. You can't even imagine. <laughs> um, but tell, tell us, give us a little bit of a, uh, like a wrap up of where can we find you? Where can yep. we go and learn and educate? You know, for example, like um, I interviewed Davine's, um, Davina's uh, products and I know they work with you guys directly. Um, you know, where can we, we find as much information about choosing more sustainable products and salons and just learn more about what you do? Yeah, thanks so much. Well, uh, definitely the first one to learn up about just who we are in our weird and wacky world of sustainable salons is we've got our website at sustainablesalons.org. Um, so when you actually go there, it, it's got some great information in there about who we are. But of course, then we've got a YouTube channel for all of our videos now because we've got so much video content and interviews and documentaries that have been made. Um, and then really one of the biggest ones is if you're, if you're someone listening in that's just really passionate about sustainability is I say, please go and support one of our sustainable salons. Uh, so our directory is, again, it's, it's hot. It's got, a lot of, it's got a lot of action now. And these salons are really, they're doing the heavy lifting at the moment to really say, we're going to commit to this. So we really want to see consumers going through their salon. So that's a really big one for us is go support one of your local sustainable salons. And then really on top of that is, is to just stay, stay connected. Stay connected. Um, whenever stories do come up, make sure you are letting other people know of these great stories in your area and your friends, because the more people then hear about it, it's just a ripple effect. Everybody wants to be uh, on, on the right path. And uh, honestly, I think with organizations like Assault Cup and Sustainable Salons, we're, we're really just pioneering in our spaces and we hope others can start pioneering in their spaces. Exactly. Uh, so beautifully said. Thank you, Paul. I always love our conversations. They are my highlight. I have been looking forward to this so much. So I'm so grateful for your time, for your energy and for everything you guys are doing. So I will leave all of those details um, on the IGTV comments once this is posted. 
please go follow sustainable salons go follow them on instagram support them and support all the salons that they work with so much love thank you <laughs> thank you so much it's a real pleasure thanks for having me always always we'll talk to you soon all right cheers bye bye